Thinner Logs is a Chicago-based sketch group that writes comedy grounded in shared true, personal stories about our existence as lifelong nerds. We started your stories to give everyone a chance to do what we do, share their own stories, and foster a more heartfelt, welcoming nerd community. Your Stories is about embracing the weird and obscure in your life and asserting your geekdom with a group that gets your references. And, most importantly, Your Stories is a place to bring people up, not to put anyone down. Hi everyone, my name is Eric Arnell, and this is part two of the Nerdalogs Presents Your Stories April 2014 podcast, featuring the theme of Scarred. This month, we welcomed a couple ladies from the Chicago Outfit Roller Derby, a fantastic local organization you all should know about. Uh, in this episode, we'll hear from the Outfit's Ellen Wheels, as well as Nerdalogs members Claire Friedman and Steve Persh, plus local comedian and storyteller Natasha Samreni, and the usual music from myself, Claire, Dwight Hassler, and some guests. Uh, before we get to the episode, I want to give a special plug to the Outfit's upcoming bouts, which you'll hear Elle talk about in here. Uh, they do home games about once a month, and you can buy tickets for each game on their website at chicagooutfitrollerderby.com. Upcoming dates include May 24th, June 21st, July 19th, and August 30th. I'll definitely be going to at least one of those. Uh, you guys should too. Now, as far as Nerdalogs goes... Do you like Star Wars? Of course you do. Uh, then you should come check out our May the 4th party on, well, May 4th, which is this Sunday. Come watch the original trilogy with a bunch of great Chicago nerd groups, including Red Eye Geek, the Chicago Nerd Social Club, Versus the Universe, and Geek Bar Chicago. Also, bring food because it is a potluck. Seats are super limited, so RSVP to this event uh, on our Facebook page at www.facebook.com slash the dash nerdalogs you will see the relevant link on that page now the nerdalogs also have a sweet show run coming up in may and june at the public house theater entitled lord of the wrigley the fellowship of the cubs which is a tolkien style chicago adventure and to tie in with that our next your stories recording features the theme of fellowship that will take place on sunday may 18th 7 p.m at the public house theater 3914 North Clark Street in Chicago. So come share a story with us and maybe get on a podcast. It's going to be a good time. I think that takes care of the mountain of plugs I have for you today. So I just want to say again, thanks for listening and enjoy the show. You may notice there's a lot of us up here right now. So uh, Dwight and Mary Beth and Steve are all in the Nerdalog sketch group. And we're going to do a song. Claire. Claire, uh, Claire not Dwight. Well, <laughs> anyway. so, we look identical. Guys, it was a long weekend. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, so Claire, May, Beth, and Steve are all in an sketch group. They're going to help us out with this next number. We're going to do a song. Uh, it was written by Elton John, who definitely fits the scar, like the overcoming scars theme, as he really had a, a tough battle with addiction in the 80s. But it also fits the scar theme in a different way. <laughs> in, a different, in a different, more obvious way. Real direct. We have an assist, and I think you'll see what we're doing here in a second. So... That your powers of retention are as wet as a warthog's backside. But thick as you are, pay attention! My words are a matter of pride. It's clear from your vacant expressions that your likes are not all on upstairs. But we're talking kings and successions. Even you can't be caught unawares. 
so prepare for the chance of a lifetime. Be prepared for sensational news. A shining new era is tiptoeing nearer. And where do we feature? Just listen to teacher. I know it sounds sordid, but you'll be rewarded when at last I am given my dues. And injustice deliciously squared. Be prepared. Yeah, be prepared. We'll be prepared. Yeah. For what? For the death of the king. What? Oh, is he sick? No, fool. We're going to kill him. Simba, too. Great idea. Who needs a king? No, no king, no king. La, 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 la. Idiots. Huh? There will be a king. But you said. I will be king. Stick with me and you'll never go hungry again. Of course, quid pro quo, you're expected to take certain duties on board. The future is littered with prizes, and though I'm the main addressee, the point that I must emphasize is, you won't get a sniff without me! So prepare for the coup of the century! Be prepared for the murkiest scam. Meticulous planning, tenacity spanning, decades of denial is simply wild. The king's undisputed, respected, saluted, and seen for the wonder I am. Yes, my teeth and ambitions are bared. Be prepared. Guys, how many of you thought you'd hear a song from the Lion King tonight? Be honest. I was hoping. So, um, when I was in college, I thought it would be funny if there was a, a music compilation. You know how they do like like Monsters of Rock and like Kids Bop and uh, you know Pop or Punk Goes Pop or whatever. I thought it'd be cool if there was a collection called Disney Metal and it would be heavy metal artists doing <laughs> Disney songs and. This is back when he was alive. The person that I thought should have done that song was Ronnie James Dio. And I should also know that Dio... Yeah, poor one after Dio. Dio fits that theme because the the scar that hurt him his whole life was that he was not Ozzy Osbourne. (laughs) (laughs) So... (laughs) And I love Dio. One, two, three... You know it always brings me down Cause it's free and I see that it's me Who's lost and never found I cry out for magic I feel it dancing in the lights It was cold Lost my home to the shadows of the night 
There's no sign of the morning coming You've been left on your own Like a rainbow in the dark A rainbow in the dark Do your demons Do they ever let you go? When you try, do they hide deep inside? Is it someone that you know? You're just a picture. You're an image caught in time. We're alive. You and I are words without a rhyme. There's no sign of the morning coming. You've been left on your own. Like a rainbow in the dark A rainbow in the dark When I see lightning You know it always brings me down Cause it's free and I see that it's me Who's lost and never found the magic I feel it floating in the air but it's fear and you'll hear it calling you beware look out there's no sign of the morning coming there's no sign of the day you've been left on your own like a rainbow like a rainbow in the dark Stories. You just saw her up here as the Whoopi Goldberg hyena, Claire Friedman. Claire Friedman! This is my Whoopi Goldberg impression. <laughs> it's super accurate. All right. Um, speaking of, are people going to think that the theme is scared? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good thing I like anagrams a lot, because uh, that's how I'm going to structure this story. So the first level, scarred. Uh, most of my physical scars, I'm very clumsy as a person, which is, of course, why I uh, my chosen sport was diving, which is very graceful. Uh, <laughs> So a lot of my scars are from fucking that up. Uh, I have wanted to dive since I was like a a tiny little speck of a human being. I remember being three years old in swimming lessons because my mom got us started really early. 
and uh, watching the kids who were like a level or two above me who got to use the diving board and being like, oh, I just got to hold out for that. That's all I want to do. That's all I want to do. And then when I finally got up, I was terrified. I spent forever on the board. Um, but I finally worked up the courage to jump in and then, and then went from there. Um, it took a long time until I actually uh, got to take lessons. Uh, by that time, I had been on a competitive swim team for a few years. And when I was about 11, I started taking lessons and then uh, dove for eight years until I graduated high school. Uh, that said... Once I did get into my middle school and high school teams uh, was where I uh, got the nickname that I, I think I mentioned in a previous show of Spaztastic, <laughs> uh, which I was so jazzed about because I had a nickname for the first time. <laughs> Very exciting moment for me. Um, but it, And it was my first kind of close-knit group of, of high school friends. Um, not to say that uh, it wasn't a very scary thing to do. So that's the next level. Scared, which is one letter less than scarred. See what I'm doing? <laughs> I'm, re- I'm revealing. I'm, the curtain's out, off, you guys. The, see, whatever that phrase is. <laughs> uh, scared. So uh, when, you're, when you're learning new dives... Uh, there are a lot of different techniques that you can have that, uh, one of the things is you can have a bubbler in the water so it breaks up the surface tension so it doesn't hurt as badly when you hit it. Um, you can also have like a trampoline with a harness and so you are on a diving board and you have a harness and you, and you go down and you jump up and then you don't hit all the way so you can like practice the rotation of it. We didn't have any of those. You just had to do it. <laughs> uh, suck it up and do it. Um, so that resulted in uh, hitting the water a lot and hitting the board certainly more than once. Um, the worst time I ever hit the board, I uh, scraped up my arms and legs uh, all the way down when I was doing an inward, which is uh, you're on the edge of the board facing the wall and you dive. You flip your head toward the board and dive in. And that is one of the four... I'm sorry, five basic categories of diving, so everyone has to do it. Um, one of the other uh, basic categories is a reverse, uh, which is the opposite of that. So you go forward uh, and then turn backwards, which is really scary because you are as hard as you can, as you can, flipping your head back toward the board that you just so gracefully left behind. <laughs> um so by the time I was 14, I had seen more than one person hit their head on the board doing that. Um, and I had to uh, learn how to do it or else my coach wasn't going to let me compete anymore. Um, and so I had one day left to learn how to do it. And my uh, – I'm sorry. Uh, this actually happens a little bit before that. I lost my chronology. Um, so I cared a lot. Cares. Uh, about, about, getting, about getting that figured out. And uh, one of the ways you learn how to do that is uh, you jump off the side of the pool um, and just kind of go in in a, in a teardrop shape with your, with your legs piped. Um, so I was doing that and practicing to get the motion right. Um, and uh, I did not jump out. I only jumped up, uh, which if you throw your head back and lean back results in uh, – in my case, hitting the your uh, the middle of your back on the side of the pool, which is actually, I know from experience, much harder than a diving board. <laughs> uh, so I uh, got into the water and I thought I was paralyzed because uh, I couldn't move because everything 
because uh, I was in shock. Um, luckily, because I was in shock, I didn't breathe. So that worked out in my favor. Because <laughs> if I breathed, I would have drowned because I couldn't move. Um, and I like kind of floated up to the top and someone jumped in and grabbed me. And I, and I gradually figured out, okay, I'm not paralyzed. I'm just really, really, really hurt. Um, and we confirmed that my back wasn't broken. And, uh, but that I was going to be out of competition for a while and that me trying to learn that specific dive, dive was kind of moot because I would not be able to compete for uh, a little bit. Um, so, uh, after that, I raced home, uh, race is the next, uh, uh, word in my ladder. Um, just kidding. I didn't at all because I didn't have a car. I couldn't drive, uh, cause it's 14. Um, my mom was at work. She was working very late at the time. And my dad was in North Carolina where he was commuting for work at the time. So I stood in the shower for an hour and a half until the rest of practice was done. And my teammate could give me a ride home. Uh, but I kept working at it. Um, I kept working at it, I kept working at it. Uh, a girl on my team was a, uh, gymnastics instructor. And so she brought me to her gym and, and tried the same moves with me in foam pits. And then when I had one day left or my coach was going to effectively bench me, um, I got it the day of the meet where I had to do it. Oh yeah, that's what it was. She was going to bench me after making me do it in a meet. In front of everyone. Uh, and if you've never been to a diving meet, uh, it's swim meets are very loud, and then diving happens in the middle of it. And so it is completely silent. If any noise is made, the dive can be marked as invalid. So it is a crowd of like 200 people, perfectly silent in a very cavernous hall, and you have to have total focus and do the stupid fucking flip or whatever. Uh, and so that's what she was going to make me do, is fail in front of all those people. Um, and I got it that day. And, uh, you know, I have a lot of gross looking marks on my body from, uh, that whole experience. Um, but what it taught me to do was, uh, I started visualizing a switch in my brain. And if I just turned off that switch, then I couldn't be scared. It was like, nope, I'm choosing to not be scared anymore. And that has helped me, um, in, throw dives and it's helped me perform and it's uh actually the only reason i can ever work up the courage to come sing with dwight and eric um is i hit that same switch that i that i learned in diving uh so yeah uh it was worth it thank you claire uh guys isn't claire great she's a wonderful singer wonderful <laughs> monologist give it up for claire Freeman. If I may play Claire's anagram game, uh, she's a real ace. Oh! The only other one was actually car, I just didn't point it out. Uh, I can't even. <laughs> ace works! Ace totally works! I shouldn't have said anything. <laughs> That's okay, Claire. Um, coming up next, we have a newcomer to your series, which is always super exciting. Miss Natasha Samreni. So you probably can't still see it, but there's a scar right in the middle of my cheek. And um, for a year when I was three, I wore a circle Band-Aid right there that covered it. It was super cute. <laughs> probably wouldn't be as cute anymore if I did that at my age. But at that time, um, as a three-year-old, it was a reminder of golf magazines and hard shaker kitchen chairs. 
I know. That's weird. Um, it started at uh, the kitchen table and ended up at a doctor's office. Bruised bone, the doctor said. Uh, but Mr. Sam Rainey, my father, this is the second time you've brought her in in the last couple of months. Mm-hmm. Is everything okay at home? Mm-hmm. <laughs> my dad joked, I didn't know there was a limit. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wait. No, no, no. <laughs> you got to see what she did in the waiting room, though, while we were, you know, waiting outside. Just now. She can read. Oh. Sure she can, Mr. Sam Rainey. She's three and a half, according to her records, pressing the little circle Band-Aid on my cheek as I screamed, Daddy, that hurts, Daddy. Oh, no, 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 no. I know. I know. But that's why it's so great. No. Hold on, Tasha. Wait. He handed me the golf magazine, the waiting room's copy. <laughs> golf Digest. Put it in front of my newly buttoned face, pointing to some boring paragraph. Here, Tasha, what does that say? I don't remember what happened next, but I like to think that I let my dad sweat a few bullets. <laughs> At least for all the times that I had told my parents I can read and they didn't believe me. They would just give me one of the books that they had read to me the night before and said, sure you can, Tashi. She probably memorized it. That was when my mom said I started my mafia streak. (laughs) If I wanted something, I would throw myself wholeheartedly into it. And if I didn't get it, I would find a way to make the person I had asked pay. (laughs) At that age... uh, IBM had come out with some of their first personal computers. Stop trying to do the math in your head. <laughs> but, and they had fondly gotten launched themselves into the commercial uh, track of edutainment, mm-hmm. educational entertainment for kids. If you can't sell it to the parents, sell it through the kids. Uh, they had a program called Sticky Bear. <laughs> I don't know why it was called that. Um, I imagine it had something to do with honey and bears, but <laughs> it was a big bear that always looked happy and wore a bow tie. Sticky Bear could teach your kid to read. Sticky Bear could teach your kid to do math. He was a two-dimensional bear in the 8-bit Atari IBM world of eight colors, whatever that means. <laughs> and in Sticky Bear Can Read, he starred in 26 scenes, each one representing a letter of the alphabet with something that correlated with it. B for B, Q for quilt, and of course, X for xylophone, because what other word was there for X? (laughs) Um, Every time I didn't get what I wanted and I would throw myself spread eagle on the floor, my parents found out that if they put me in front of the computer, I would get quiet. (laughs) So Sticky Bear became the favorite program of my parents and myself. I want Sticky Bear program, I would say, in my limited vocabulary. Or I shall kill you tonight at midnight. (laughs) I'm pretty sure I didn't say that last part, but my mom said that my look said everything. (laughs) Um, So one day, uh, after my little sister had been born, my mom was, of course, nursing her because babies are attached for the next 12 months. (laughs) And I wasn't getting the attention I deserved. And I was climbing on the kitchen chairs, deciding to launch myself into another type of tantrum, I guess, and uh, fell headfirst over these uh, shaker wooden chairs, 
hit my face, my cheek, right on the side of the chair and um, started crying. My dad took me to the hospital because they saw my cheeks started to bruise. We got to the hospital, and as we were waiting in the waiting room, um, apparently he hadn't thought of, because dads don't usually think of this, <laughs> to bring something to keep the kid entertained. <laughs> Anything. Gum. A toy. <laughs> a book. <laughs> so I was sitting there getting bored, and uh, finally I kept telling him, Dad, I want to read. I want a book. He handed me a magazine from the waiting room, stack of magazines. It was a Golf Digest. And I sat there with the magazine in my lap and started to say things. And uh, after a while, he realized these were not normal words for a three-year-old. I was talking about golf. <laughs> he didn't even play golf. <laughs> the lady next to him looked over and gave him a surprised look. And he realized what was happening. He turned to another boring page in the magazine and said, now read that. And when I did, he got excited. Um, and so began, uh, I guess, my nerdy fascination with words. No matter where I was or what I was doing, I always had to have a book with me. I had to hear the words, see the words, or have some type of weird running dialogue in my head. Um, I can keep, I can still keep quiet for hours <laughs> that way. Um, but I feel like even though my parents educated the mafia out of me, <laughs> <laughs> that uh, that I won that battle. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. So much. Thank you. Do you, do you still keep up with Golf Digest, or has that kind of... I mean, there's been some really good issues lately, like... I don't know. I, I used to golf, guys. For like a summer, I was real bad at it. Coming out next... Wasn't, why, was, why are you laughing? All right, guys. I said Chicago Outfit Roller Derby's in the house. We have another speaker from their crew, Miss Ellen Wheels, who is going to tell us a little bit about their history, what they do, what they have coming up, and then she's going to share a story herself. Ellen Wheels, everybody. I'm Elan Wheels. I'm new to the Chicago Outfit, which has been around since 2007. And um, we've made mention that we've got a big event coming up on April 5th, our spaghetti wrestling. Don't you want to see me fight another bitch up in some spaghetti? <laughs> yeah, you do. I'm going to do it, too. Um, and it's my dad's birthday and my dad's coming. How fun is that? <laughs> uh, our season opens on April 26th, and we hope some of you guys will come out, or all of you guys will come out. It's at the Windy City Field House in Logan Square, so it's not too far away if you're city dwellers. Um, and we play about once a month through August. So check us out, and I'll tell you a little bit about my scarred story. And I know, I can't remember who it was, said that, you don't do a lot of physical sport. <laughs> I do, but I'm going to tell you an emotional scarring story anyway. And like most good emotionally scarring stories, it begins back when I was a little girl. Um, I come from a, a nice south side Chicago family where the south side Irishman married the hot-tempered Italian woman. And uh, so that makes me a pretty hot-tempered, sarcastic, tough kind of chick. And at nine years old, I thought I was pretty fucking tough. In fact, I told my gym teacher to fuck off. <laughs> and that got me in a little bit of trouble. Uh, but that's not what this story is. Um, my aunt had a house in Lansing, Illinois, and we often went there. <laughs> Shout out to Lansing! <laughs> Sweet! It was one of these split-level houses, right? So you go in and, like, the basement's this way and the upstairs is this way and it's weird and stuff like that. So upstairs in the main bathroom... 
under the sink where you washed your hands was a laundry chute. And the laundry chute was like diagonal. And it went down to that basement. That was like a slide for us kids. And there, I literally have 40 first cousins, like 20 on this side and 20 on that side. So at the family parties, we'd go up in that bathroom and we'd slide down that laundry chute. And it was awesome. At the bottom was a playpen full of dirty laundry that you'd land in. And you didn't give a shit that it was dirty because it was soft and it was fun. And so we're in a line upstairs in the bathroom getting ready to slide down the laundry chute. I'm nine and I'm skinny as shit and tiny and my big cousins are going in front of me and I don't think anything of it because I've done it a hundred times before, but I get stuck. (laughs) And I'm all splayed out like fucking Supergirl and I think I'm awesome, but I'm stuck in there and everybody else is at the bottom by the playpen. What's going on? I'm stuck, you guys. Help me. And I'm like twisting this way and twist. Don't twist. Don't twist. You know, just stay there. We'll come and help you. And so, I, you know, I, I hear them all like trot up the stairs. Did they help? No, they fucking closed the cabinets in the bathroom <laughs> and laughed their asses off and walked away. <laughs> Super hilarious. Southsiders. Uh, so I'm in there and I'm sad and I'm trying not to cry. I hear someone come into the bathroom like, you know, what in my mind was probably an hour later, but was really more like a minute or two. And instead of being scared and excited that someone's coming, now I'm worried I'm going to have to hear somebody take a piss. I do not want to hear somebody. So I'm like, I'm in here, and I'm banging up against some walls and stuff. And who opens the door? But, like, my oldest cousin, which is super gross, right? Like, some old guy in my mind. He's, like, 15. I don't know, but he's old. Mark, help me out. You know, I'm stuck in the laundry chute. And he comes, and he finally pulls me out, and I get out. And as you can imagine, the rest of my life is kind of, a little claustrophobic. I'm, I'm a little scared to be in tight spots and stuff. But if you fast forward some unnamed amount of years, um, I get involved in roller derby. I start doing this thing called Derby Light, which is like an exercise on skates program. Um, not so much of the contact stuff. I was super awesome, man. I'm fucking awesome on skates, you guys. I'm going to try out for a real roller derby team. So I do. I try it out, and I just made the outfit um, at the end of December. It's my first uh, real roller derby team. And we do some practices, and we, we do some exercises and try some different things. And then you scrimmage. And when you scrimmage, you mock a real roller derby bout. And if you're not familiar, it's a lot of people fucking hitting with their hips and their shoulders and everything else. And we do this thing where they go, wall up. Okay, what do I do when I wall up? Well, everybody puts all their shit up against here and all their shit up against here. And there's eight of you. And I'm like, what the fuck, you guys? Why are you so close to me? (laughs) That's not what we did in Derby Light. So I'm trying to learn how to make friends with all my new friends. But um, Electra mentioned that uh, Derby girls are awesome. And we are all scarred in some way. And we all did come from some place that we just really needed to let some shit out, but also be with some other women who are so supportive and so great. Um, and I'm learning how to touch other people. <laughs> um, and it's going really well. Um, and I'm glad to be there. Thank you, Alan Leo. Guys, let's get up for Lansing Illinois one more time. Yeah. I used to, used to own a business in Lansing. Um, yeah. Thank you, Dwight. Uh, seriously, congrats on making your, uh, the team. That is fantastic. And guys, do not forget to go to Spaghetti Wrestling and their first bout, which is April, which day? 26th. April 26th. And about once a month through the end of August. I think Kevin and I are going to go date night, Kevin. Yeah, buddy. 
getting hot. All right, guys, we have one more story for the night. It's Mr. Steve Persh bringing it on home. Hey, everybody. Uh... So, uh, I'm a member of the Nerdalogs, and I've been coming to your stories a few years now, and I've known at some point I'm probably going to tell uh, some high school wrestling stories. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Scarred is obviously uh, a great opportunity to do so. Uh, also, I don't know what to be more excited about next Saturday, the Nerdalog show at uh, the Chicago <laughs> Nerdfest, or the College Wrestling National Championships, uh, which... <laughs> I'll have to DVR because we've got a show. Uh, kind of broken up about it. Uh, so anyway, uh, for, for my story, I'm going to talk about uh, three types of pain that I learned about uh, while a high school wrestler. Uh, two pithy phrases, and I will paraphrase one tweet that I, I recently saw. Uh, so high school wrestling was my first serious sport. I had played uh, volleyball and basketball in grade school, and I enjoyed it. It was fun, but it, it was never really a serious sport for me. I knew that I wasn't going to continue on into high school or club volleyball the way my brothers were. I knew it was a fun game to play. Uh, but going into high school, uh, I knew wrestling was going to be something more serious. I had never seen a wrestling meet I had never done any real high school folk style wrestling uh, to to separate folk style from the Greco-Roman and freestyle that you've seen in international competition. <laughs> so I, I, I knew I didn't even know those words uh, when I went out to the wrestling team. Uh, but my parents, for years, had been telling me maybe you should go up for wrestling. Uh, they had they had both been around high school wrestlers, and it was this idea in the back of my mind. Uh, yeah, maybe that is uh, a good thing for me. And uh, the individual competition really appealed to me. The idea that uh, I could walk out into competition alone, no teammates, and win or lose entirely on my own merit. That was super appealing to me. Mm-hmm. Um, to get to that point, you actually need to practice wrestling, which I had never done before high school. Uh, you needed to be in good physical shape, which I really wasn't at all. Uh, before high school. I've always been really skinny, but as I learned, skinny is not at all the same as being in shape. So the first the first type of pain that I learned about in wrestling practice was, was the basic kind of pain you get when you really physically exert yourself. When you really exercise two hours every single day in those dungeon-like wrestling rooms, the sweating, the running, the push-ups, the sit-ups, the stretching. It's a different type of pain that I than I had really experienced in like running laps before grade school volleyball practice. So that was the first type of pain that I learned about. Just the the, the pain of really exercising. Um, that did not get me to winning any wrestling meets though. Uh, the first wrestling meet that I saw was one that I competed in. Uh, I very quickly lost uh, as, as I did my next couple wrestling meets. Um, I didn't win a wrestling meet, or I should say match, I'm sorry, wrestling match, which is just one-on-one competition compared to a meet, which is a large group of people. I didn't win a wrestling match uh, until I learned about the second type of pain, which is um, the the pain of minor injury. So every day, every day at, at practice, I would collect some new scar. Like, my knees were just disgusting. 
uh, by the end of the season. Just rug burn basically every day. Rug burn on my face. Rug burn on elbows. Everywhere was was there a cut, scrape, or rug burn. Um, and then uh, the Friday night before a tournament, I pulled some muscle in my shoulder. I don't even know really the word to describe, but I knew that there was a deep pain in my neck and I couldn't really move it. So Friday night before a Saturday tournament, I'm going to have to wrestle probably three times in this tournament. Can I do it? Uh, this is the second type of pain that I, I had to overcome, that pain of acknowledging that this is a minor injury, but to have any chance of winning, you need to get past that type of pain. Uh, in the practice room, if there's a cut or a scrape, to keep competing, a wrestler needs to be able to move past that type of pain and keep going. I knew if I want to win one of these matches, I'm going to have to just ignore this throbbing pain in my neck that prevents me from turning my head freely. <laughs> Believe me, there's a lot of head turning in wrestling. There's a lot of grabbing of necks. Uh, I knew I'd be in a lot of pain, uh, but I won a match that day. I think I lost two and won one. But it was so satisfying to get my first win that day. Uh, and I had to overcome that second type of pain. And uh, uh, the, the pithy phrases that, that were involved here is that idea of pain is weakness leaving the body. When I was in high school, that was all over T-shirts. The soccer team had that. I think another team had that. Pain is weakness leaving the body. And for that first type of pain, yes, sure. If you're exercising uh, in a well-regulated program, that pain that you go through of exercising, you become stronger as a result. The second type of pain, maybe. Yeah, maybe you do need to go through and ignore those minor injuries and get stronger uh, as a result. And, uh, and going through that, Feeling that sense of accomplishment after winning that that match uh, with my neck throbbing, I felt like yeah, I'm I'm living up to that Abercrombie slogan. <laughs> Wrestling is what men do during boys' basketball season. <laughs> that was that was an Abercrombie and Fitch slogan <laughs> my freshman year of of high school, and and getting through that second type of pain made me feel like yeah. This is what the men do during boys' basketball season. The, the basketball team was actually good at my high school. The wrestling team was terrible. Um, but then the, the, third, the third type of pain. So here's where I'm going to paraphrase a tweet. Uh, leading up to the 2012 Summer Olympics, I started following a bunch of Olympic wrestlers on Twitter. Um, since then, I've stopped following some of them because it's less exciting to just hear about their their daily training. It was really exciting to see them leading up to the Olympics. Um, but one I still followed retweeted something like, um, if you're about to get in a fight, look at the guy's ears. If they're ugly, you're going to lose. Um, some of you may have seen former wrestlers with cauliflower ear. So the cauliflower ear is a product of repeated trauma to the ears. And over the course of a lifetime of wrestling, ears will just get entirely mangled and scarred. It's ugly. It's kind of disgusting looking. But some of the best wrestlers ever have it. Uh, Kale Sanderson, the only guy to go undefeated all four years of college, his ears are completely cauliflowered. Um, and I think it's because he treated the third type of pain the same way as the other types. The third type is the dumb kind of pain. <laughs> the pain of actual injury. 
The thing about cauliflower ears, it's incredibly easy to prevent. Headgear, the thing you see high school and college wrestlers wearing, completely prevents cauliflower ear. Some people still practice without it because they think it makes them look tough. Um, well, that's one reason. Maybe it, maybe another reason is that for the kind of person who goes undefeated all four years of college, the only person ever, maybe for that person there isn't a distinction between that dumb type of injury pain and the second type of pain working through minor injuries or the first type uh, just pushing through normal exercise. Maybe to get to that highest level, you make no distinction. Uh, I don't know if that's healthy. Uh, <laughs> I'll say for the general public, no. Uh, <laughs> there's, a, there's a reason that pain exists on an evolutionary perspective. Uh, I've, in my wrestling career, I saw people try to work through injuries that they shouldn't have. Um, that's ignoring the, the kind of pain you shouldn't ignore. Um, but for some people, uh, it leads them to success. Um, I hope we all can do a better job of delineating between them. Thank you. Thank you very much. That was awesome. I've been waiting for you to talk about wrestling. We had uh, a couple of years ago, my buddy Aaron told a story about his high school wrestling career, and I was really hoping that you guys would somehow, I don't know, get together and, and I don't know. I wanted to see you wrestle. Straight up. I just wanted to see you wrestle. Steve Hirsch, Aaron Pinkston, let's make it happen, guys. Next month at your story. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, yeah, go wrestle spaghetti. Yeah. All right. That's a great idea. There's an audience round. Yeah. Is there really? Yeah. Wow. This sounds like a lot of fun. You want to go spaghetti wrestle, bro? I mean, I don't, do you really want to wrestle me, bro? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I don't know exactly how we settled on this song, which is going to close out the night. I guess, like, this this was a band. They were, well, yeah, that's true. Uh, massive alcohol problems. Also, they were kind of in pain, I suppose, when this record came out. Like, their bass player had, had died not too long ago. This was their first really big commercial success. Uh, and I imagine they were feeling some stuff about their new direction. Uh, this is certainly unlike any song the group had recorded before. Uh, I used to be a big metal kid as a preface to us playing this. This is a song by Metallica, guys. And if you'll indulge us, we're actually going to try to do this legit, like do the guitar solos and everything. So let's see, let's see how we do. It's very rare that we play leads here. Let's play it right. Trust in who we are And 
nothing else matters Never open myself this way Life is ours, we live it our way All these words I don't just say And nothing else matters Trust I seek and I find in you Every day for us something new Open mind for a different view And nothing else matters Never cared for what they do Never cared for what they know No matter how far Couldn't be much more from the heart Forever trusting who we are And nothing else matters I never care for what they do I never care for what they know but I This way, life is ours, we live it our way. All these words I don't just say, and nothing else matters. I never care for what they say, I never care for games they play.
This has been a Nerdalogs production. For more on the Nerdalogs and our shows, please go to www.nerdalogs.com. Thank you all. Thank you all. I am Grabbot23548X.